Well, the series is called Big Rocks, and it's the, uh, the image that we're using to look at priorities that, that bring order to the chaos of your life. Uh, the things that pull us in this direction and that direction, things that tend to pull apart life, and especially the, the places where we live, in the interior, the interior landscape of our life that comes out in different ways. Uh, when it's when it's chaotic, it will it will find its way out somewhere. There are certain priorities that bring order to that chaos, and so we're talking about uh, being gathered, being gathered in worship. Talking about being amazed by grace. And this morning, we're talking about being grounded in truth. And I, I want to start off by uh, reading to you a few letters from children to God. I love these. I just picked out my little favorites here. You've, you've heard these before. Dear God, did you mean for the draft to look like that or was it an accident? <laughs> Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Dear God, who draws the lines around the countries? That makes you think. Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right there in church. Is that okay? <laughs> Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. Love that. There's childishness and there's also childlikeness. We're called to have a childlike faith, but to grow up out of our childishness. Faith needs to seek understanding. Faith needs an object. It needs the right object. It needs to be aimed at the right place. Faith needs truth. <coughs> We're going to be looking this morning at truth that sets us free. A lot of times we think of, of truth as something that is only in the realm of science and faith as only in the realm of something like art or music or personal taste. And so we, we tend to compartmentalize faith over here and science and facts and mathematics and reason and logic over here. It's a totally false separation. Our faith needs to seek understanding. Our faith needs to be aimed at the right object. Our faith needs to be grounded in truth. After all, did you know it was really... Christian faith that demythologized the cosmos. It, it, it said there wasn't, there wasn't a, a devil behind every rock. There wasn't a god of the sea. That, that God made all things. And when he finished making all things, he pronounced them good. He said, this is good. This is very good. And that even though we're in a broken world, it is a demythologized world. World. It, it, it doesn't, it's not filled with all kinds of different gods. And so, so because of that notion, because of that sense of, of truth behind all things, human beings have strived to explore, to subdue, to understand their world. Finding out more about how things work is a good thing, and it's not in competition our faith. Faith does need to be grounded, though. It needs to be grounded in truth. And when faith is grounded in the right kind of truth, personalized truth, not just, not just reasonable, just factual truth, when faith is grounded in truth, truth sets us 
free. It's like building your house on a rock. From the Word of God. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. End of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'm going to read that again. Okay, If you have a Bible, pull it out. Take a close look at verse 24. If you don't, look on the screens here. Look closely at what's being said. I want to compare this in just a second to, to Matthew 28, where Jesus says, teaching them, right? Teaching them, not just teaching them all I have commanded you. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, teaching them, what? To obey all I have commanded you. So let's read this again. Everyone who then who hears these words of mine and does them, Everyone who hears them and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let me add this verse here. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. They were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching as one who had authority, not as the scribes. May God bless us today through this, his holy word. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your word and pray that you would bless us now through it, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to believe it, that through our hands and feet and lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I believed that board would hold me that was stretched across the creek when I walked across it. I believed it would hold me. I believed that that umbrella would, uh, would let me float gently off the jungle gym, gently to the ground. I believed it. It didn't work out so well for me. I believed, someone may say, I believed that I would feel the same way about my spouse all throughout my life. I believed I would. Belief in belief alone, faith in faith alone, is not faith. We're not called to blind faith. We're called to faith that's aimed at truth, faith that's grounded in truth. And so if your belief is in the wrong object, like a board that's stretched across a creek that cracks when you get to the middle of it, or an umbrella that doesn't quite let you sail to the ground the way it did in the cartoons, don't try this at home. Or if your belief in, say, uh, standing up and saying I do is a belief in a feeling alone rather than in a, in a commitment and in a God who calls you into a covenant. If your belief is in the wrong object, you can find yourself losing your way. You can find yourself not just breaking God's law, but breaking yourself on it. 
Have you ever thought about that? That, that, that? that we're called to obey not just because God likes certain kinds of behavior, but because you were made for this. Because he designed you. He, he purposed you. And so we have to understand how our faith, grounded in truth, sets us free to be what he's made us to be, and that is people who glorify him. And so understanding truth is to understand how to relate well to God. That's what glorifying him is all about. We hear that word. Just think of it this way. You're made for a purpose. It's to glorify God. That means that in having faith in the right thing, in truth, helps you relate well to him. So this morning, let's take a look at a couple of distractions. So if, if, if the straight and narrow is to have faith that, that goes right down that straight and narrow path, there are a couple of different directions that we can get pulled off of that path into the woods. Let's take a look at two. Here's the first one. The first way that we get pulled off the path, instead of a truth that sets us free, instead of having a faith that's aimed at truth, sometimes we aim it at God in general, a distant God. We think of the mythical distant God, the God who just wound up the universe and stepped back. A lot of churches, a lot of faith statements presume that God is just sort of generic, right? You, you worship him that way over here and, and you worship him this way over there and God in general is just sort of way up there with Bette Mittler from a distance. He's just hanging out there somewhere in a, in a galaxy far, far away. That, that is not the truth. Distant God, deistic God, God in general can create this disconnect. And so, and so the opposite, and what we're being called to here, is that just because God is spirit, just because there is a certain mystery to him, doesn't mean that we shouldn't live what we know. You see? So we're called to live what we know. We're called to recognize the authority of the word. We're called to obey and to apply and to internalize. And let's, let's use this word, to personalize truth. Otherwise, God is up here and we think that down here doesn't really connect or make much difference to him. That the details of our lives don't matter to him. But in fact, they do. And he gives us everything we need. That when we personalize the truth, we can live it well. Here's the problem. You, you can see what's happening here in the imagery. Uh, you can see the wise man who builds his house on the rock. That there's a wise man who recognizes that there's a certain way to apply truth by personalizing it that grounds his faith. In truth, it's not just faith in faith. It's not faith in the board across the tree st uh, stream or, or in, the, uh, in the umbrella. It's faith grounded in the promises that God has promised. It's faith grounded in something that endures, but it's faith that's grounded in something that connects. That's the point of the first point here, is that faith must connect. We can connect what we know. So don't step away from what you don't know. Don't, don't fail to personalize what you know just because you don't know everything. Does that make sense? Apply what you know. Not, not waiting to know it all, not waiting for, some light, for lightning to strike. 
Apply what you know. Uh, a, a friend of mine, somebody that I've known for a long time who's in ministry, I've found out has been living a double life. Been married for a long time. I found out that he's been living a double life. He's been struggling with something for a long, long time. And even though he knows the scriptures and can teach them very well, they're not part of his life. It's just a distant God. It's a set of principles and rules that has no personal bearing on his lifestyle or his interior. And so his marriage is going to fall apart because he is a disintegrated person. He, he is one person in a professional role and another person in private. It's very disappointing But don't let the heaviness of my example distract you from considering the places in you where there are disconnects. From what you say is true and what you know is true to being able to then personalize it. You know, a lot of times what we think of is we just think God is out there in general and at a distance and then our lives are really just to try to do good deeds, right? You know, personal lifestyle and the choices that we make and the places where our mind goes and where we dwell and whether we judge somebody or not, that doesn't really matter because God isn't really interested in those details. He just wants to make sure that the scales are tipped in the right direction, that I'm, I'm you know, I leave the world having done more good deeds than, than I have sucked life out of the world. And if I do that, if I contribute more than, than, I, than I have received, then, then somehow uh, God will smile on me. We, we have a functional theology that looks like that and it is a total farce. It's not true. It's a total disconnect between the God who presents himself as imminent and knowable and, 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 and his truth that can be applied and, and, and internalized. But, but don't skip the personalizing part of it. Don't just think, okay, here are the principles and now let me just go do them like a good deed. See, I give you that that very sharp example this morning because you can see that, that just taking a principle and applying it isn't necessarily letting God in. See, see what, what God is doing with these principles, what he's doing with, with virtue is he's trying to create you, recreate you as a certain kind of person. What kind of person is that? A person who does everything right? A person that's perfect? A person that knows how to jump over the the candlestick and not get burned? No, he's trying to create in you a certain kind of virtue and character that allows you to relate well to God. That's the point of truth. That's the point of faith aimed at truth. When faith is aimed at truth, it's not to be Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. The point and purpose of obedience is is not to tip the scales so that God will bless you. The point and purpose of aiming your faith at truth and obeying what he's he's laid before us in his word is to create a certain kind of virtue and character that allows you as a person, as a creature that's going to live forever to relate well to God and to others. Right? 
playing well with others, right? He plays well with others. She, she doesn't run with scissors, okay? She, we, we're going to be living together for eternity, and God is about the business of creating certain kinds of people who dwell together with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a way that is, that is orderly. And so truth has to get in. It has to... It has to uh, be positioned in your life and heart. That's why I pray the way I do every time, a lot of times before a sermon is, Lord, don't just bless us with greater understanding and knowledge. As I've said before, we're all educated above our level of obedience. We're educated way above our level of obedience. And why is that? Because of the distance between head and heart, that's why. And so personalizing what we know even if we don't know everything. That's the kind of truth that sets us free. It sets us free to be what we're for. What are we, we for? We're, we're, we're to be relators to God. Truth that sets you free. Faith aimed at truth that sets you free is truth that's lived, personalized, believed, internalized, so that it begins to change who you really are your orientation, so that you can relate well to God because that's why he made you. He made you for himself. So don't get pulled into the woods of deism. Don't get pulled into the woods of God in general. Don't get pulled off the path as though somehow, you know, you're just supposed to make up what's meaningful and, 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 and uh, purposeful in your life and then the God uh, of principles at a distance, we're just supposed to apply those things so that good deeds outweigh bad deeds. No, it needs to get in so that you become a certain kind of person that can relate well to God. Second, the second way we get pulled, we get pulled to the opposite side, into the woods on the opposite side. We begin to think, not that God is too distant, but that he's too near. And that if he's not near, if I don't feel what something, right? If I'm not feeling something, then, then something's wrong. And so we begin to measure God not, not by being objectively real or ontologically eternal or, or grounded and, and completely and utterly the one upon whom all the universe hinges. We begin to think only in terms of my own subjective experience. And if I'm not having a certain kind of experience, then there's something wrong. Not true. Not true. That, that begins to aim not at the truth, but it begins, begins to aim at emotions, emotionalism. It, emotions are good. They're the fruit of relating well to God. They're the fruit of applying what he knows. They're the fruit sometimes of being together in worship. They're the fruit of a prayer life. They're the fruit. But feelings are good. But we don't worship or we don't pray or we don't read our scripture or we don't obey him. We don't follow Jesus in order to attain a certain level of warm fuzzies all the time. And then judge whether or not our faith is growing or our faith is real or God is here by our own personalized set of feelings or responses. There's a guy named Don Hoffman who uh, is now deceased, but many years ago in, in the church where I used to serve in, in, uh, in Chattanooga, uh, Don was, was just uh, somebody that people really respected and revered. Elderly, elderly man, who, when I knew him, who had a level of commitment to faith and to church 
that, uh, that people just absolutely understood to be a, a, a source of strength, not just for him, but his family and for the church. People honored him and, and loved him, but he wasn't Mr. Warm Fuzzy. In fact, one day, a, a friend of mine, Andy, who was uh, just becoming uh, an officer in the church, first time he was being uh, nominated as, as a, an officer in the church, he went over to spend a little time with Don, and, uh, but this wasn't related to, to church or anything like that. He was just going over to see him and talk to him, and, um, and he saw him through the window as he was going up to the front door, and he was reading something, and when he went in there, he, he couldn't really see what he was reading. It was set aside, and, uh, and so they had a conversation, and then Don left the room, and he went over to see what he was reading, and it was... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say this without laughing. It was the Presbyterian Book of Order. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Book of Order. You're not laughing because you haven't read the Book of Order. I'm going to make you read the book. I'm going to bring the Book of Order. I'm going to read it to you next, next week. Or I'm going to read through some of the, the Book of Order. He's sitting there by the fireside reading the Book of Order. Wow. And whether Don felt it, whether Don Hoffman felt it all the time, whether he was getting warm fuzzies, there was a commitment to God that didn't rely upon his imminence. He knew that the rock, the rock that uh, where the floods came and the rains fell and the wind blew against it, that circumstances of this world, that there's a rock that transcends. You see, it's about transcendence. In the first point, we're talking about the fact that, that we're called to, to recognize that there's a certain imminence to God in your life, a certain presence. In this second point, though, you have to understand that even when God doesn't feel near, we're called to line up our faith with truth that transcends, that we're not going to understand everything that we continue to obey even when we're not feeling it? What if you only ate when you felt like it? What if you only, uh, what, what if you only exercised when you felt like it, right? There are certain things that are good for us to do whether we feel like it or not. You know Mother Teresa struggled. Mother Teresa, her, her, one of her biographers, uh, you know, revealed that, that, that Mother Teresa sometimes went years without really feeling the presence and imminence of God. Think about that. Think about that. Why do I bring up Mother Teresa? Somebody who undeniably has served God in such a way that to demonstrate this incredibly profound faith to reach out and to pour her life out, to sacrifice all of the creature comforts that so many of us aim our lives at. Here's somebody you can say is unshakably a believer and unshakably obedient to God, went years without feeling God's presence. Think about that. The next time that, that you are, are considering that, that God is just too far off to be believed because you're not feeling some, some goosebumps. The one who founds his house upon the rock, the one who has his life in God, in other words, house on the rock, life in God. 
the one who has founded their life in God, the one who has built their house upon the rock, recognizes that, that it's good for us to obey even when we don't feel like it. That there's a certain reverence that we need to have even when we're not feeling it. You see, wrapping this up then, you can get pulled into the woods in a couple of different directions. You understand that God can, can be considered too distant to be personalized, too distant to be obeyed, and yet we're supposed to apply what we know. Sometimes we think that God must be too, near, that he must be near all the time, or, or something's wrong, and yet we're called to that path anyway. And so what is it to have your faith aimed at truth that sets you free? What is it to have faith that's on the path of truth? What is it to have faith that's lined up in something that is not only near but also far? What is it to understand? What does it look like to relate to God as both near and far? Well, what is it like to know another person? Haven't you noticed that sometimes the people closest to you can seem very far off? Haven't you noticed that sometimes you can connect like that to a stranger? Haven't you noticed that people are both present with you but also profoundly mysterious? And you can live your entire life with somebody and not get to the bottom, to the depths of that person. What's it like to have faith that's grounded in truth? It's to relate well to God. It's relationship. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's to know God beyond reason. It's not to say that faith is unreasonable, but it's more than reasonable. You see? You don't check your brain at the door when you come to worship or when you learn more about faith or when you're believing. But belief in God is more than reason. You see, if, if you say that you have to argue people into faith or prove God or something like that, if you say that, that, that the only things that matter are the things that, that, that we can prove, then you've just discounted some of the things that matter to you the most. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Can you, can, all, those, all those fruit of the Spirit... Can you measure those? You can measure the effects of them. You can see the outward effects of them. So you see, your faith that's grounded in truth is faith that's, that's, that's connected to God in relationship, not reduced. I love that movie, uh, A Beautiful Mind, that, that captures the life of John Nash, who was a professor at Princeton, who was a professor of mathematics Somebody who dwelt in the realm of reason and measurement, but was dealing with delusions, dealing with schizophrenia. And the only person that grounded him again and again in reality was his wife who loved him unconditionally. And, and, and you've seen this, this movie, perhaps you've seen this movie with Russell Crowe where where here is somebody who is one of the most scholarly, reasonable figures, somebody who has pioneered in the world of logic and reason and mathematics. And he says this, I've always believed in numbers, in equations, in logic and reason, but after a lifetime of such pursuits, I ask, 
What truly is logic? Who decides reason? My quest has taken me to the physical, the metaphysical, the delusional, and back. I have made the most important discovery of my career, the most important discovery of my life. It is only in the mysterious equations of love that any logic and reasons can be found. I am only here tonight because of you. Speaking to his wife. You are the only reason I am. You are all my reasons. You are all my reasons. The one whose faith is founded upon the rock is the one who relates well to God. Not pulled by delusions, but pulled further in and higher up. Relating well, because that's what you were made for. That's who you were made for. Let's pray together. Holy God, and we thank you that you've revealed yourself to us. And yet, the beauty and wonder that is you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, continues to attract us. The one who has who has found us to have found God and yet to pursue him. That is the mysterious, beautiful love of the soul set free. Amen.